0: wish I could go on as many holidays as they do or as many exotic holidays as they do. Do I want to sacrifice things right now in order to save for any of those things? Nope. So therefore they're not going to happen are they? Because I'm not willing to put the hard work in now to make those things happen. And if you're anything like me, uh, Caitlin and I were having this conversation the other day, Hi, sorry Caitlin, uh, where she'd looked up at a sign that said, to do this job, you must train for nine months and sit 14 exams. And for Caitlin, that was like, what? Nine months? 14 exams? That is awful. I was like, Caitlin, that's like nothing. (laughs) You know, lots of us have to study for years and years and years and years and then sit hundreds of exams or essays or, or whatever. Or even, maybe it's not even that we study, but actually you're learning on the job. We don't often look at the hard work that has to go in when we think, I want to do that really cool thing over there. And folks, it's no different in church. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. We all do it. We all look around in church and we place importance on certain things. We look at people around us and we think, that's quite cool. I'd like to be involved in that. But not for a second are we thinking about the amount of hard work that goes into those things. Um, Uh, She's not here, but I have asked her permission to use her as an example. But the lovely Lorna McRoberts, who you know, um, if you've been around for a little while, has done our Leadership Academy. So she spent 10 months training because many of us could see that her and her husband are destined to do something in terms of church leadership. They didn't necessarily see that, but that was okay. So she eventually went off and did Leadership Academy, and she had an incredible time, okay? We were privileged enough to see the transformation that happened within her. If you saw her leading services, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there was this wonderful moment that I had with her where she felt a call from God to preach. Uh, and what happened was she got super excited because it's a huge privilege to share God's word with others. is massive. It is an honor. It is a position in many respects. And it's one of those things that you think, wow that's amazing. Thank you, God, that you're going to do that for me. I was with Lorna on the day that she had to preach at our lifestyle service on a Monday, and I kid you not, she would describe it as a chrysalis moment. It was like she was a caterpillar, had gone into this chrysalis, completely broken down into component parts, and then God built her back up again. She said it was one of the most painful things that she's ever done in her entire life. It was one of the most difficult things she'd ever done in her entire life. Because what happens when you're looking at scripture in order to be able to teach it out, you have to live it. And so she had lived for weeks with this piece of scripture where God was literally almost picking her apart and saying, you have to live this. You have to really understand what this is that you're saying. And what she said to me was, I don't know how anyone does this. I do not understand how people do this week on week off i don't i just don't understand it is so painful and that's a really almost a trivial example of what i'm saying is that we look at places of position we look around us and think do you know what our kids ministry is off the chart incredible those kids came in here and gave us words and pictures and every single one of them were spot on wow how incredible to be involved with such children that are pressing into god From the tiniest of children to the biggest. It is incredible. Isn't it so fun when we hear them cheering, when we see them doing crazy things and we hear of some of the things that we're doing? What we don't see is that the wonderful Esther Sutherland and Lindsay Duncan, our site Kids leaders, put in hours upon hours of prep, of gathering resources, of making sure rotas are covered or making sure that the last-minute things are covered on a Saturday night on making sure that every family is prayed for diligently. And the same goes for our teams. And I've picked kids ministry, but the truth be told, I could pick absolutely any one of our ministries because we have incredible ministries here. And we have incredible people here who do what they do. And they do it incredibly well, but I can bet you if you asked any one of them, it's hard. It's hard work doing what we do. But we do it because God is asking us to do it. We do it because it is an honor. We don't do it because we think, that's cool, maybe I'll get picked. Or the reverse, please don't ever sit there and think, no one ever picked me. I really, really want to do that thing, but I'm going to wait until someone asks me, because that means I'm popular. That's really not what we're saying here. Jesus says, not so with you. Jesus says, let's not be like that. Let's focus our eyes on God and look at what God has for us because every single one of you sitting there has the Holy Spirit within you. We all agree on this, yes? Every single one of you who has received Jesus into your heart, you have the Holy Spirit in you and God has given you gifts. He's made every one of you different from me. I am no more important than you are. None of us are more important than any one of the other people, but we all have particular gifts It doesn't make any one of us more popular if we're up front or if we're at the back. But if you're sat there thinking, I really want to do that thing, but no one's ever asked me to do it, so that must mean I don't get to do it. That's absolutely not how we work here. We believe that God asks everyone to play their part in this thing that we call church, which is a crazy journey, isn't it? Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is present power they all begin with P, by the way isn't that cool two Ps. Oh. present power so what does power look like in our day and age it's a little bit like what he talks about back in the day with jesus and his disciples it hasn't changed it's exactly the same isn't it i can bet every single one of us has encountered someone who uses their power wrongly or in a way that makes us feel horrible hands up if you've ever been belittled or made to feel less than you actually are yeah, there's always someone, isn't there, who, who loves to display their authority, who loves to make it about them, who loves to make sure you know that actually they're in charge and that it's not you that's in charge. And actually, this very verse talks about it. When you look at it in the message version, it says, you've observed, verse 42, how godless rulers throw their weight around, he said. And when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. And that's so true. I know that my journey, people that have been in charge of me, my bosses historically, they've not always used their power very well. They've really thrown their weight around and acted just not very well. And for me, what that meant was I never, ever, ever felt good enough because there was always someone telling me how much better they are than me. Or how they're in charge and I'm not in charge. So I have no power or authority. And, and actually it affected me quite significantly. And I bet the same is, is true for all of you. You've all had people. It might be a boss. It might be a friend. It might be a family member who just love a little bit of power. They just love to throw their weight around a little bit. Because somehow they think it builds them up. But actually what it's doing is it's, it's breaking you down. The same was true back then. We live in this world where authority equals importance, where power equals subjugation. You can break this right down to a a smaller level like parenting. Uh, We went on holiday recently to a lovely little caravan in Blackpool, and what happened is you get given a check-in time. And what I had not thought of, and I'm sure Brian must not have thought of either, is that Everyone has the same check-in time. And so we all arrived at three o'clock. Hundreds of people in a huge queue in the rain waiting to check in. So you can imagine parents they've driven. Lots of them have their kids because Haven holidays have activities for kids. So all these tired, hungry, wet people standing in queues waiting to get their keys. Kids excited to see what their caravan's going to look like or to see what activity was going to be happening that day. And what I saw, I sent Brian and the kids off and I stood in the queue, but not many other people did that. So what I saw were all these families around about me. And one family, bless them, did not really use their power as a parent very well in that moment. What I heard actually made me super uncomfortable to the point where I almost left the queue. Because what they wanted was for their children to just be quiet and to just sit still, and wait in the queue until we get our keys. That's not really how they worded it, though. They swore at their kids, they slapped their kids, they sent their kids off, and of course they kept pinging back to them. And what I found really interesting about all of this is, of course, the kids are just trying to entertain themselves, and they're playing silly games, and they're getting a bit raucous. But of course the parents would be shouting at them. And then the older siblings did exactly the same. Because you see, we learn, don't we? So the older siblings thought, oh, it must be okay. This must just be how we treat younger kids. And so they did the same. It was so uncomfortable. But then, fast forward a couple of days, what I saw was a different family where the woman had taken her child out of the restaurant. And I was heading in and I'd hung back because I was waiting for Kieran. And what I'd saw was this lady had taken her child out and she was down on his level, looking at him in the eye and explaining that what he just did was not okay. The way he just spoke to his mum is not okay and we're going to sit outside this restaurant now until everyone else has enjoyed their meal and then we're going to go back in and we're going to apologize for the fact that you just hit mum and you said things that you shouldn't have said. And I honestly wanted to cheer her on in that moment. I was kind of stood a little bit away from her thinking, yes, that's how you use power. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about us loving one another. He's not talking about us never exercising any authority ever. He's not talking about not having any boundaries. He's not talking about being, you know, so loving and caring that we never challenge one another. This woman uh, got down on his level, loved him, explained exactly what he did wrong, and then gave him the opportunity to make it right. But what I saw just after that, was they went back, because we were sat not far from them, they went back, little boy apologised, finished, finished off his food and he went off to play. And then the mum broke down in tears onto her mum's shoulder and she was like, that was horrible. I can't believe that just happened. People were looking at me. And of course her mum was telling her how well she was doing. And I just thought, isn't that a significant picture of what Jesus is asking of us? Because it's hard It's hard when we have to love people well, even when they're doing things really wrong. It's hard to really persevere with your boundary, but to do it in love. It's much easier to just throw your weight around and shout and swear at the person that's not doing the thing that you're asking them to do, or to get so cross with them that you won't even speak to them. It really matters what we do with our power and our authority and our influence And so whoever it is you have around you that you have influence over, whether that's your friends, your family, your siblings, your bosses, people just in the shop, really matters how we do that. So let's do that well. Because what Jesus is saying here is that's what they do, but not so with you. Not so with you. The last thing I want to talk about is, is, let's see if I can say it this time, I can't say it, precedent presented. Yes, Jesus presents us, thanks, a perfect, here's another P, Jesus presents us a perfect precedent, doesn't he? He is the ultimate example. This is Jesus. He is our king, our high priest, our best friend, the person who loved us so much that he came to die for every single one of us. And what he's saying is that he came to serve, not to be served. It's one of the most shocking, controversial things that I think he could have said in that moment. He didn't come to say, I am the king and you will do what I'm telling you to do. He didn't come to say, I'm going to do this really, really great thing for you, so actually you're going to have to be grateful for the rest of your life and I'm going to make sure you know that I did this thing for you. He came to serve every single one of us. And if you read all the way through the Gospels, what you see is this Jesus who loved his people so well. He even washes their feet. He makes breakfast for them on the beach. He looks after them and he speaks so kindly to them like this, where he's saying, hold on a moment. What you've just asked me, actually you don't really understand what you're asking. This cup and this baptism that you see, those are references, by the way, in the Old Testament for suffering and for judgment. This thing that you see and these things that you know I'm about to go through, actually, do you really understand that you're asking to go through those things too? And of course, they very boldly go, yeah, we can do that. And Jesus is like, actually, there is going to be judgment coming your way. There is going to be suffering coming your way. But what you're asking, I can't give you because it's God that appoints position. It's God that gives us our authority. And how does it come? It comes through serving. Our authority comes through serving. Through loving one another so well that we look after one another exceptionally well. It says it in John's Gospel, doesn't it? This is how we'll be known. This is what will draw attention from other people that we loved one another in such a countercultural way that people ask questions. If we read verse 43 and 45 again, just to refresh our minds. Let me get it. Jesus says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Um, I've had the amazing opportunity this last week to go down to a festival down in Stafford called Naturally Supernatural um, it's run by the guys that do Soul Survivor And it was incredible. If you get the chance to go next year, you should make it happen if you can, because it is the most remarkable experience I think I've had in a very long time. But one of the things that happened there was there was a um, couple who run Causeway Coast Vineyard in Ireland and were interviewed. And it was one of those moments where they spoke from the heart and they didn't really think they were sharing anything very profound. But you could actually feel the ripples of of what they were saying across the room because they just shared their heart they shared their heart to see communities transformed and they put it in such a simple way that it was almost like well that's obvious why wouldn't you all want to do this but for those of us that were left listening it was like wow wow these guys are holding firm to what they know they were called to do I'm sure I'll have many stories from that festival, so I'm not going to tell you them all. But what he said in one of the moments was, I want to get to heaven. I don't want to get to heaven and say, what a lovely church. What nice people. We did family really well. That was so lovely. But actually, the city didn't know that the church was so lovely. Nothing changed. He wants to get to heaven and say, wow, what an incredible church what wonderful people, what a family we created. And our city was transformed. And guys, don't we want that? We want to get to heaven and say, I loved my church. I loved my people. They loved me so well. They showed Jesus to me and our town and our whole region and our whole nation was transformed off the back of it. I'm hungry for that. I don't know if you are, but I want that. I want people's lives to be transformed because of how we are with one another. Not because I want everyone to be chanting the name of City Church Ellen, or not because I want people to remember that it was Brian and I, or that it was Ruth and Frank, or that it was any one of you that did it, but because Jesus is asking us to love one another, and that means loving our community. And so when you're looking at our church calendar, I'm saying this in love, And you think, flipping heck, we're so busy. There are so many things going on. I don't know how I can keep track of all of these things. I'm actually not going to apologize for it. We are a busy church. We want to be a busy church because we want to be out there in the community showing people Jesus. And so that's why we're joining in with the pedal car race The Rotary Club do this event every single year and it's an incredibly well-attended event. And if there's anything we can join in with to bless other people, then it's that. We go along and we look after the people that are serving. This year, actually, we get the incredible opportunity not just to have a cart in the race, not just to have our incredible stall that we're going to be able to bless people with free baking and wonderful conversation, But this year, we also get the chance to marshal some of the races with them. We get the chance to put out some crowd barriers with them. This year, we actually get to bless the people who are running this incredible event. And I'm really excited about that. And I really would love for everybody to have a think about, could I help marshal a race? Could I help put out crowd barriers in the morning? Could I help set up? Could I help set down? Could I just be around to have conversations? Could I hand out water to the team that are putting on this incredible event? Because we want to be a church that blesses other people, doing things in their community. It's why we're doing a Kaylee in October. Not least because, by the way, it will be our fifth, fifth birthday this year. As Ellen coming out here five years ago this year. So we're having a bit of a shindig and a party for that. But also because we want our community to come along and be Blessed. We want our people, the people that we know, that we've been journeying with, that we've been having conversations with, to come and have fun with us and maybe, just maybe realise that we're kind of normal, as much as we can say that. Jesus is the perfect example that we must follow. And I'll leave you with this last story. I've spoken way too long already, as always. Um, On the last night of Naturally Supernatural, Mike Colavacci brought this young guy up onto the stage and we'd been introduced introduced to him a couple of nights before because this guy was called Dan and he was a worship leader and he'd led us brilliantly in worship um, a couple of nights prior to that. But he brought Dan, this young guy, up onto the stage who was all super embarrassed, by the way, in front of like 3,000 people. It was very embarrassing for him. But what he said was, this is Dan. Dan, we met last summer. And he came um, to serve. What what you do for Soul Survivor, the way they manage to pull off such big events is you can apply to go and just be on team. And you can apply to be on team to go and pray for people or to just go and help them set up, set down. And this is what Dan had done. He'd applied to be on team and he went and he served. And Mike recalls finding him everywhere. Everywhere he looked, there was Dan asking him, "Do do you need a drink Shall I Shall I get that for you? Have you got everything you need? And if he wasn't right next to Mike, he was next to Tom, the, the worship leader. Or he was setting up equipment somewhere. Or he was cleaning the floors. Or he was cleaning toilets. There was Dan doing what needed done. And then what Mike said was he had a conversation with Tom, who heads up all of the worship for Soul Survivor. And said, who is this guy? He's everywhere. And he's like cleaning and getting me water and like nothing can ever be too much for him kind of thing. And what Tom said was, yeah, that's Dan. He's from X Church, mostly because I can't remember, but also because I wouldn't name it. He's from um such and such church. And actually he's quite a big deal in their church. He leads all of their worship. He's an incredible incredible musician. And he's really well respected within his church. He's one of their leaders. And Mike was like, really cleaning the toilets (laughs) like oh my goodness and Mike said that is what we're looking for we're not looking at your CV folks we're looking at your heart because that's what God looks at he always 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 will choose character over gifting God wants to know that you're willing to just go and do what needs done like Dan who just went and made himself available because he knew that God was doing something incredible in that place, and he wanted to partner with God in that. He never once mentioned that he was a worship leader. He didn't go there and secretly hope that, oh, maybe, maybe they'll ask me if I play. Maybe they'll pick me, or, or maybe they'll choose me. Maybe they'll just somehow find out. Maybe they'll do a bit of research. It didn't cross his mind, because he knew that he was meant to be there to facilitate what God was doing. And here we are a year later and here's Dan leading us all in worship because everyone recognized that that's what we want. We want someone who is willing to do whatever it takes to partner with God. And so from this passage, what we're reminded of is that popularity is actually not what we think it is when we look around us that power needs to be displayed and displayed really well and that actually our power and authority doesn't even come from us being told that we're a leader or we're in charge. It comes from God and it's him that appoints and anoints. It's him that gives us what we're meant to be doing and so it's him that we should look to. Shall we stand?